0: Four one six two one six fifty nine ten help at the ca. That's her email. Got to get to a, a ton of stuff today. We'll focus on the injury calculator as well. But
1: first, uh, Savannah, we always start with the week that was, some cases that you want to talk about. What's going on? All right, John. Just before mm-hmm. I start, uh, there is an organization that uh, I work for, I try to help. Uh, up in the neck of the woods where I live okay. uh, in Aurora. Uh, it's it's the uh, York Region Children's Aid. Uh, they do a lot of fantastic work there uh, for kids uh, who have issues at home, obviously, and uh, disabilities and things like that. And one of the things that they do is they send kids to camp in the summer, kids cool. who otherwise would not go. Uh, and so for anyone out there who is interested uh, in the cause, uh, if you can go to uh, www.yorkregionchildrensfund.org. Again, YorkRegionChildrensFund.org. Uh, you can uh, donate. Uh, th- there is a Camp for Kids Fund button there. And uh, even if you donate about 150 bucks, 50 bucks, $20, whatever it is, you're going to help send some kids to camp this summer. Cool. Uh, okay, so let's move on to uh, the week that was. And again, John, it was a very, very busy week. Uh, let, me, let me start off with a question that was sent to one of our websites, which is MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you type disability, long-term disability on Google, you're going to have that website come up fairly uh, up high in the rankings because yeah. so many people are using it. And, and he, 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 here's here's the question, and this is coming from uh, Janice in Milton. She says, my brother is in long-term disability from work, and the company is closing in February. Will his long-term disability be discontinued, or does he have the option to continue paying it out uh, out of his own pocket to the benefits plan? So a lot of people obviously have this concern that if they're let go from their job or the company closes down while they are on LTD, that that's going to affect their LTD coverage. It should not affect that coverage because if you are being paid by an insurance company, long-term disability, the only uh, criteria really is whether or not you are still disabled. That's going to essentially decide, determine whether or not you continue getting the benefits, right? So, you know, you've worked for this company, uh, you became disabled while you were working, while you had that coverage, you had the medical proof and support to back up your claim for disability. The LTD insurer agreed with that, started paying you, and then at some point in the middle of that or down the road or while you're in disability, they close down or they let you go. It does not affect whether or not you are still owed long-term disability. So no concern there, and that's what I responded to that lady. Well, because hey, that,
0: that the money is coming from the insurer. It's not your employer. That's correct. Now, Once right? you're yeah. on the plan, exactly. Right. It,
1: it's a different question altogether. If the person became disabled, never applied... And then the company closed down, the coverage terminated, and then you try to apply for co- for a disability. Good but call. how can you apply for disability if there is no coverage anymore? Remember I said that when somebody calls me up with an LTD question, you know, to know if they qualify, I ask them several simple questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you, uh, first of all, are you disabled from working, number one? Number two, do you have medical proof for that? Are your doctors or whatever treatment practitioners are helping you, are they supporting your disability? Are they saying you cannot work? And of course, number three, do you actually have LTD coverage, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be through work, by the way. Some of these plans are private, but the point is, do you have that? And if you have all of those, then you would qualify. And once you qualify, who's paying you? The insurance company, not your employer, who potentially may close down or fire you at some point down the road.
0: What else you got going on? All
1: right, so let's talk about uh, an interesting case as well. Uh, This is uh, another disability case. Uh, This individual had surgery for cancer, Uh, in November 2014 and then in July 2016 um, and has been on shortened disability uh, due to the most recent surgery last year. And he physically feels that he's ready to return to work, but mentally he doesn't feel ready. And so he's contacted me on the advice of a colleague of his who have helped in the past. And this is the interesting part here. Why is he calling me? Not because he's been denied disability, he's actually still getting disability Mm -hmm. payments. He's contacted me because his insurance company has scheduled for him to meet with one of their psychiatrists. That psychiatrist is trying to assess uh, the uh, mental aspect, uh, the emotional aspect that this person uh, is experiencing that's disabling him from working. And of course his question to me is, should I meet with that person? Uh, you know, can I, can I trust that psychiatrist? Uh, you know, how should I really be reacting uh, to, to the request from the insurance company? And, and this is quite common for insurance companies, not only in long-term disability cases, but also in car accidents, slip and falls, injury type cases, for the insurance company to ask you to see one of their doctors, be it a psychiatrist, chronic pain doctor, chiropractor, whatever it is. Under the policies of insurance um, and and in injury claims, you do have an obligation to go to their doctors. Now, there are restrictions on that, right? I mean, if they ask you to go to a psychiatrist, they can't then ask you to go to a second psychiatrist and a third one and a fourth one. But they do have an entitlement under the policy, the disability policy, to ask you to see their doctors. Now, the question then becomes, can you trust those doctors? Well, If you've been reading the Toronto Star for the last few weeks, last few months, uh, you would see that in different contexts, whether it's disability or workers' comp, etc., there's been a lot of commotion, a lot of anger that's out there about the fact that it's a uh, pay-for-play system, uh, meaning that a lot of doctors out there, unfortunately, they're being paid by the insurance companies Mm -hmm. to assess these individuals who are disabled. And many of these doctors, who may be excellent doctors, excellent physicians, end up coming back and providing reports to the insurance companies that essentially uh, minimize the uh, disability that the person is experiencing, which of course leads the insurance company to cut off the individual from the payments or to force the individual to go back to work before they are ready. And so my advice here to this uh, individual who called me was, look, I don't know the psychiatrist. You need to be aware of the fact that this psychiatrist is hired by the insurance company. So to the extent that you are concerned about conflict of interest or a perceived conflict of interest, that's a very valid concern. And you really do need to be aware of that. So understand that that individual you're seeing, they are being paid by the same entity who is potentially going to be right. cutting you off at some point later, so be careful what you say, be careful how you present yourself, tell the truth don't magnify um issues that you have in other words, don't uh, make it look as though you are um you know trying to uh stonewall or s- stone, exactly be compliant right. obviously don't be antagonistic, but just understand that you are dealing with with an individual and also understand that the fact that you are asked to be seen by their doctors could be a red flag. It could mean that they are now setting it up Mm -hmm. uh, to potentially cut you off down the road. So just be aware of that. 416-216-5910.
0: 416-216-5910. You need to get a hold of Savannah anytime. That is the number. I'll give you some email as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to uh, a few of those uh, throughout the show this hour and a couple of websites you should be aware of. You're probably familiar with the Injury Calculator at injurycalculator.ca. We'll go into that in more depth as we will with fightformyltd.com. These are amazing tools. We'll get to those here in just a little bit. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 is the number anytime. Savanne's number, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering could be, and uh, we'll get into that here uh, very shortly. What's up, Bill?
1: Okay, so here's another case. This is mm-hmm. interesting. This is a car accident that happened August 10th, 2011. Ooh, okay, that's a long time We are now ago. in 2017, right? Yeah. All right. So this lady's car was re-rendered uh, when she was stopped at uh, a red light. Uh, and uh, she went to the walking clinic after. She was diagnosed with uh, some kind of an issue with her hip. I don't have the particulars, but presumably we're dealing with a uh, either a hip fracture mm-hmm. or something that necessitated uh, her to, to essentially have a hip replacement done wow. uh, several years later. This is in April 2014. Now, here's the interesting thing, right? So she's calling me, and she had that accident in 2011. So the first thing that comes to mind is limitation period, yep. right? Uh, well, lo and behold, she did hire a law firm back then. And, you know, this goes back to one of the things that really makes me upset about these kinds of cases when I have people calling me. I'm not upset at the people. I'm upset at the lawyers who are handling these cases because this is a 2011 accident. And we are now in 2017. We're dealing with a lady who had to have a hip replacement. She's 61 years old, by the way. Uh, she had to quit her part-time job because she couldn't stand it naturally. I mean, hip replacement, that's a very, very serious uh uh, Surgery operation. So she's not working now. So she's not working exactly. So you're talking about six years down the road, uh, or or, or, almost six years down the road. The claim is not yet resolved, and and of course, you know, from my perspective, I'm thinking to myself, hold on, what's taken so long here? I mean, Mm -hmm. these claims should be handled so much uh, faster. They should be moved through the system so much faster. And of course, you know, when when this lady. Ex- ex- explain to us what has happened on the case what i can tell you john is that her case is nowhere near being done in fact i'd estimate that she's only gone through about let's say 25 30% of where the case should be to Jeez. completion and again it's over almost 6 years now have passed now this is this is another interesting little tidbit the last thing that happened on that case took place in september 2013 that's insane it, it is and and she has not received any updates from her lawyer since that time. This guy's awesome. Can you believe? It? <laughs> it's just it, it boggles the mind. For people out there, these are your cases. These cases will affect your lives. The outcomes, whichever way they go, you have to make sure that you follow up with your lawyers and don't simply accept these delays as routine, okay? They should not be routine. I'm telling you, the best lawyers out there do not let these claims simply sit on the shelf. They don't. Mm -hmm. They have the infrastructure, they have the people, they have the know-how to move them forward through the system. Uh, So, you know, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, you're dealing with a very, very serious uh, injury here. Now, I don't know if she fractured her hip, but let's assume for a second she did. John, you mentioned the injury calculator tool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a tool that we have been talking about for quite a while now. It's something that my firm created uh, just over a year ago. And what it is, is it's a database of cases from across the country, across Canada. And it allows a user, a person to go on it and for free and anonymously Mm -hmm. uh, figure out how much their injury is worth, is valued under our legal system in terms of pain and suffering. And how does it do that? Because it looks at those cases, it looks at cases that have gone all the way to court, Very few cases actually end up going to court, but if you look at the last, I don't know, 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, there's a ton of them that have gone to court, right, in the context of all the claims that have been started across the country. And so, judges throughout the country have been giving their opinions on the value of pain and suffering. So, you broke your ankle, John. How much did that judge in Manitoba say that that right. uh, you know that, that that injury is worth to you for pain and suffering? How much did that judge say that uh, in Ontario, uh, in, in in Newfoundland, who wh- you know wherever? And, and so, what happens is that that website allows you to then uh, click on on a few click menus, which re- you're going to do in a second, uh, in relation to the case I just mentioned. And uh, it asks you, what is the severity of the injury? Are you, do you have chronic pain? Did you have surgery, et cetera? And then it uh, goes through that uh, case database. There's an algorithm there, and it spits out a range of damages. And the range is there because no two cases are clearly alike, and you have different judges with different opinions. You may have an ankle injury uh, and you may be 30 years old and it may be affecting your ability to uh, do work or you may be uh, you know, a 50-year-old guy who has a computer job at his desk. It's not affecting you that much. And so you know, in one situation, a judge may assess your ankle injury as being worth $30,000 and on another case, you may be assessed at $50,000. So that's why you have that range. So in relation to that car accident we just discussed that happened in 2011, why don't you, John, go through the injury yep. calculator... As an example to our listeners, uh, show them how easy it is. Uh, So you're going to be selecting the age, 61 years old. Got it. Got the city. Right. right. And again, it's anonymous, right? So I don't know that this is happening. Uh, At the end, by the way, while John is doing this, at the end of the exercise, when you're seeing the damages amount, the value on the screen... You can either close the application down, or you can click submit for a more thorough consultation. In which case, I get the email directly, and then we can have a discussion about your individual case. Okay. And let's assume that it's a it's a break, it's a fracture. Okay. We click on torso. We click on hip.
0: This is so easy. Fracture. Yes. That's replacement. Right. And it's spitting out a number here. Yes. Okay. And how simple was that? Wow. Okay. According to the Survey of Canadian Cases, as you mentioned how this thing works, uh, you may be entitled to ninety to $165,000 for your pain and suffering. How simple and cool is
1: that? Absolutely. And again, it's predicated on the idea that somebody else is at fault here, right? Yep. I mean, in this case, she was re ended So it would be the insurance company Of the other driver, the one who hit her, that would be responsible for compensating her uh, this amount or a fraction of it depending on other factors. Something to to, to, uh, keep in mind is that that's for pain and suffering only. Right. Remember, this lady used to have a part-time job that she couldn't go back to. So there's going to be an income loss component that we're going to be advancing. And this happens a lot where you have these kinds of injuries, some of them more severe than others, but other losses flow from those injuries: you bet. income losses, out-of-pocket expenses, medical rehabilitation expenses, things that are not covered by anyone. But someone's going to have to pay for those, and so you can have a situation where your injuries valued at thirty, forty, fifty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars, but the other losses, like income losses, could dwarf that amount. They could be five hundred thousand dollars. So very, very important that if you are using that tool and you really do have a case you want to discuss, just click on that submit button. I'll get the email and then we'll start a conversation and I can give you your options
0: injurycalculator.ca very simple 416-216-5910 we'll get over some emails here in just a minute as we continue lots more of the insurance and injury law show talk radio AM 640 416-216-5910 help the insurance lawyer.ca through email and you saw us use it just moments ago injurycalculator.ca couldn't be simpler gives you a great number that would be your pain and suffering a range and then after that you'd, uh, you'd be wise to click through and submit for consultation with Savan to explore things uh, even further what else you got going on over
1: there. Okay, let me give you another LTD case. Mm. And again, this is, you're going to see a pattern, uh, of course, if you've been listening to the show for a while, that a lot of these questions and cases are very similar. And the reason for that is because when insurance companies cut you off LTD, Mm. the excuses are similar, right? People are different, situations are different, but the excuses are similar. And the overall arch objective of the insurance industry is the same, which is to make money. And the way you make money is by paying less okay, even legitimate claims. So this is an individual that had contacted us, and this lady was an LTD for eight months with one of the large insurance companies, and it was due to frozen shoulders and neck pain, and these were debilitating conditions for her. Uh, She received notice that her LTD would be cut off uh, at the end of February due to lack of medical documents to back up her claim for being off work. And this excuse of lack of medical documents or lack of objective medical documentation, it's probably the one that I see the most. Now, the good thing is she contacted us before she was cut off. And so what I've been saying, and I've been doing now quite a lot, actually, since we start talking about it, is tell people, if you or someone you know is in that position where they're getting LTD, but they've been told that they're going to be cut off because of this reason Mm. or another reason, and they don't believe they should be cut off because they're still disabled and their doctors believe them, contact me and me and my team will contact that adjuster directly on your behalf. You're going to pay us nothing for this. We're going to contact them via email. They always have emails. And we're going to position your claim in a certain way that will make the case for why they should back off, why they should not cut you off. And, you know, in some cases, we've been successful in dissuading insurance companies from cutting people off. In other cases, we've simply positioned the case in such a way that once that cutoff occurred, the adjuster got a claim on their desk, a legal claim, the day after. And guess what happens when when we do that? The insurance company immediately assigns a defense lawyer who then calls us up and says do you want to talk about uh, possible settlement? Yeah, but they do. Uh, They do, right? I mean, and and again, I'm not saying they do that exactly when they get the claim on their desk, these lawyers, but the insurance lawyers for the most part, especially in LTD claims, I find to be more reasonable. Many of them are very empathetic. They understand, and it's a fresh pair of eyes on the claim. And so what they do is they look at the claim. They understand the legal realities at play here. They understand that if I've issued a claim, if I start a claim for my client, because my client is in fact disabled, because of cancer, because of fibromyalgia, because of an injury, whatever the reason is, and I have doctors or other practitioners that have been treating my client that support my clients being off work, these lawyers understand that there is a real risk that if we went all the way to court, all the way to court, that a judge would nail the insurance company. And the insurance companies understand that that's going to be very costly for them, not only from the standpoint of having to pay back everything that they did not pay my client in the first place, but also pay their lawyers to fight a losing battle. And so I tell people out there, if you or someone you know, this is important, or someone you know, tell them to contact me. Okay, It's going to cost them nothing to talk to me. It's going to cost them nothing to correspond with me. And it's going to take me only a few minutes to figure out whether they have a claim. And we even created that simple website, FightForMyLTD.com, to help people just go and get some information, some basic information. And there also there's a little survey there, a questionnaire, it's got five questions on it, very simple questions uh It'll take you literally ten seconds to answer them. You click submit, I get that email and I'll tell you if you have a case. whether or not you want to proceed with it it's you, whatever you can do whatever you want with it, but at least use that website or tell someone else to use that website just so that they know if yeah. they have a case because yeah. most people you know they're under this uh this this this, this mis mis, mis- uh, apprehension or or they, they, they just they're misguided. they read on the internet that there's no point fighting the insurance company. Guys, when I tell you that we fight the insurance company, as a lawyer, somebody who deals with somebody who's worked for them exactly. in the past, you're on the other I'm side. T- I'm telling, yeah, I'm telling you, it is a lot easier than you think. I'm not saying that it's a cakewalk, but I'm telling you it's a lot easier. And the insurance company's the model of how they make money and save money when it comes to claims is they assume that the majority of people out there are not going to fight back. It's a numbers game, It's right? a numbers game. And I'm not expecting people, when they contact me, for them themselves to, to, to fight. By the way, uh, there is an individual that I, I met with earlier this week uh, who has a fantastic LTD claim, fantastic legally, I mean. He should not have been uh, cut off from the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And he went to see five other lawyers uh, who do LTD, and, and I know three of them, Okay. And this is interesting because one of the lawyers, one of the law firms, uh, and and they're not bad firms by the way, but one of them told him it's going to take him five years to resolve. Holy cow! I almost five fell. I, I almost fell down. I mean, I- insane. No, the only way that it would take five years is if you don't look at this claim for four and a half years. Okay, that's how it would take five years. It, it, listen, things can happen. Not every claim gets resolved overnight. But you know what? In LTD cases, it should not take five years unless there are exceptional circumstances. One of the other lawyers, this is also interesting, told him, well, let's try the appeals process first. What? 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 What's the point? It, it, there is no point. Because when you are asked or told by the insurance company to appeal after they've denied you, they are just leading you astray. They're leading you to a different path. It's a detour. It's going to take you three, four, five, six, seven, eight months to figure out that the appeals process. What is it? You're appealing the denial to the same people, or the same team, or the insurance company. Essentially, to cut, cut you, you off, off in the first place. Yeah. Right. So you know, don't do that. And the third lawyer, again, I know all these guys, and I honestly, I think I think that they're generally good lawyers. I'm just I'm very surprised at the advice that they gave this individual. That third lawyer. Essentially, told uh, this individual, who's now a client of mine, uh, that he would have to continue himself dealing with the adjuster even after the lawyer was involved, that's and that complete that makes no sense. That's to me. counter to what you've it's, always it, said. Com- it's complete count. In fact, the insurance company, once you have representation, once you, as a disabled person, come to me and I represent you, the insurance company, the adjuster is not allowed to talk to you. I wow. talk to the adjuster. They have to call me. They have to email me. They have to answer my questions. so very, very important out there that's one of the benefits of having someone like me, my team, on your side is that you don't have to deal with this. you're not getting those stressful phone calls, the calls that you know are, are putting you in an almost catatonic state, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people out there who are disabled, th- th- you know just the thought of having to get another letter or email or fax uh, or call from the adjuster that alone. Is already causing them to regress in their condition. So, very, very important, go to that website, fightformyltd.com. Answer those five simple questions, and I'll tell you if you have a case.
0: 416-216-5910 is the number. We'll get right to an email as soon as we come back. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one here from uh, Amy in Thornhill. Has an email about uh, elder care. Says, I've listened to your show for two months now. Love it. Thank you. Uh, I have a situation with my grandmother who died last year at a nursing home. The workers there didn't help her when they were moving her, and she fell down and was bruised very badly. She died of complications the following week, and the Ministry of Health did an investigation and found that the home was at fault and said that they have to do certain things to correct their procedures. My mother has been very depressed since that time and wondering if you can help. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's wow. that's pretty serious, and you know it's interesting, Amy, that you emailed me about this because I, I resolved a, a claim similar to this uh, just before the holidays, and and here's the approach that I took, which I thought was was interesting, uh, which is this. Um, once we got the report from the ministry, because that case also, there was an order of compliance that was issued by the Ministry of Health uh, that outlined the investigation they did and mm-hmm. essentially all the errors that the PSWs, the personal support workers at that home, made. Once I, did, I I had that, and I had the coroner's report as well, I drafted a letter that was very comprehensive, that set out uh, the legal framework for these kinds of claims. And I contacted the director of risk management for the home that I was dealing with. My clients were both older, uh, their siblings, and they lost their mother in this fashion because the PSWs that were involved were negligent in their handling of their mother, which caused her death. Uh, and unfortunately, this is something that is becoming more and more prevalent. And you see this in the papers, National Post, Toronto Star, yeah. elder um, neglect, um, but by homes. That's something that unfortunately is on either on the rise or we're just seeing more of it. Uh, I don't know why. In any event, in that case, I had contacted the home and I said, look, you're reading the papers, the same papers I'm reading. You're looking at the news. You're seeing that more and more of these homes are being scrutinized. And you know, if I start a claim, a legal claim, that becomes a public document. Do you really need the name of your home on the papers, because there's no doubt in my mind that because these stories have been highlighted across the country, that somebody's going to pick up on that. Well, oh, so people here, jump on them. Of course they do. Oh, yeah. And so, so here's what I suggest I said, how about if we do a mediation before we start a claim, before we start the legalities here, so we can keep this out of the public eye? And guess what, John? They're they all agreed. Over it. They agreed. Their insurance company agreed. We both chose a phenomenal mediator, just a phenomenal mediator. And we resolved the case for a very, very nice sum. And, and mm-hmm. listen, no amount of money is going to compensate uh, these siblings for the mother that they lost. I mean, it's just horrific to even think in those terms, but that's what the legal framework can provide. That's what the legal process can provide. It's monetary compensation. But what I can tell you is that this, the resolution itself, the settlement that was reached, would likely have been more than anything that my clients could have potentially gotten on their best day in court. Why? Because we were creative and trying to avoid the whole process. So we settled the case before we even started the claim. Nice. Whereas I think many other lawyers would just jump into a claim, right, and would not think creatively and work with the at-fault party, the home here, who, by the way, admitted, admitted that their people did something wrong. And in fact, the lawyer that came to the mediation, phenomenal lawyer, excellent lawyer, very experienced, very, very conciliatory, and we negotiated a great settlement for my clients. So for people out there you have, you know, uh, parents, uh, relatives in these homes, we have to be able to show that there was some fault on the home or in yeah. its employees to to have a case like this. I mean, things happen, right? Uh and, and if you do have that, you know, and, and there is an injury, then there is compensation that the family is entitled to. I mean, it's unfortunate for that to happen, but there is recourse legally. Uh, for the family members, in the event that their loved ones are mishandled and there's negligence that causes injury or death to those residents of those homes.
0: I'll give you the number uh, to call anytime, 416 216 5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got some more cases to get through, then we'll talk a bit about mitigation, all right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right, mitigation. So when someone is injured not, uh, suffers from disability, how important is it for uh, their legal claims that they follow their doctor's recommendations? I mean, what happens if they refuse to follow those recommendations, such as uh, you know doing surgery for the injury? A lot of people don't like that. And how does that affect the claim?
1: Well, it, it does affect the claim because think about it from the insurance company's perspective. The insurance company knows that you as the injured or disabled individual, you have an obligation under the law to try and get better. Mm. Other than the fact that it's just common sense, because you would want to get better, right? Yeah. Uh, You don't want to just stay injured or disabled. Uh, There is an obligation that's on you at law to try and get better. And oftentimes, the way that insurance companies look at it is they say, look, have you gone to doctors for your problem? Well, if you have, what recommendations have they made? Did they tell you to do surgery? Did they tell you to take that kind of medication? have you followed those recommendations? You haven't followed them. Okay, well, why not? Is it because you're not trying to get better? Is it because uh, you have uh, a warped view of the world that you think mm-hmm. that surgeries are bad? I don't know, whatever it is. Right. So, so what's happening here is that for some people, they have legitimate concerns about the recommendations are given. Example, I had a client that was in two car accidents, had very, very bad injuries to one of his wrists, was using his wrist. He was a computer uh, analyst uh, and and, uh, programmer, I think. And he was very afraid of doing the surgery, even though his doctor told him that by not doing it, it could get worse. And at some point, he would pass the point of no return, and he cannot do surgery to repair his wrist. But my client had a family. Uh, He was the sole provider. And he was very concerned that if he would take time off, he would be fired. And of course, then what would happen to his family? And so what does he do? He doesn't do his surgery. And you can bet that when we went to mediation, the defense lawyer raised that as an issue and, and said, listen, the doctor said that you would get better. Now you're telling us you didn't follow that recommendation. Yeah. And as a result, you're claiming all these losses into the future where you could have been better. And, and you know, the problem with that is that f- f- from a, from a purely, I, I, I guess, uh, moral standpoint, ethical standpoint, I mean, who are we to tell this person that he made a bad choice? He looked at everything that is happening. He looked at his family, economic situation. He wasn't weighing two options, a good and a bad one. He was weighing two other options, a bad and a worse one. And perhaps you or I may disagree with his choice. The insurance company, I bet you, is only seeing this as a good and bad. They're saying, listen, we don't care about your economic situation. All we know is that had you done that surgery, you would have been better. And we would have had to pay less. Uh-huh. So, guess what? We're still going to pay less because you should have followed doctors' recommendations. And of course, you see other circumstances where people are told to take certain medications and those medications make them ill. Now, that as an explanation for why you're not following the recommendations of the doctor, that is probably a bit better. You can explain it better to the insurance company. But again, yes, you are going to. You are going to have those kinds of issues come up with the insurance company, and you have to be aware that if you don't follow doctor's recommendations, it may be used against you down the road by the insurance company.
0: Well, the key word for you guys is always mitigation, right? You try to mitigate and comply, then it looks better on the back end with your
1: case, right? Exactly. I and try and if, to do this. And I if did you go don't, for surgery. Exactly. And if you don't, explain to us why. And no. hopefully that explanation is an explanation that would be accepted mainstream.
0: and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out the Injury Calculator to calculate your pain and suffering, you can do so, injurycalculator.ca and a brand new website called fightformyltd.com. Lots more the Insurance Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is an email and the address that Linda used from Peterborough as we get into this one. She says, my friend listens to you all the time. And told me to come. I slipped on a very slippery entranceway to a strip mall near my house about four months ago. It was raining a lot, but no one was clearing the entrance to the mall and it was like a a big puddle there. I I hurt my back badly. Had an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon who says I need surgery. Wow, is this uh, mall responsible for this? I'm going to have to use a lot of sick days from work now because of the surgery. Can I be compensated
1: uh, for that by the mall? Well, Linda, yes. Uh, So first of all, the mall would be responsible for that. They they are the... uh Presumably the owners of the property and under the Occupier's Liability Act, which is the legislation that governs these kinds of situations in Ontario, uh, Mm -hmm. they do have an obligation under Section 3 of that act to make sure that the premises are reasonably safe. And this is usually where we have these arguments with insurance companies, the word reasonably. Reasonably. But, you know, you're telling me that it was raining outside, there was a puddle, there were no warning signs, there's nothing, there's no cleaning. In my mind, at least just from what you've given me, there's probably going to be liability or fault. That's attributed to them, which means their insurance companies are going to respond. Mm -hmm. But guess what? There could be another entity, maybe even more than one other entity, right? There's going to have potentially cleaners. Maybe there are two sets of cleaners, you know, a contractor and a subcontractor. Maybe um, one of the occupants of the stores nearby has some responsibility for this area. So you never know, which is why we do our due diligence. Um, when we have a case like this, we try to figure out who are all the parties because we want all the insurance companies that should be at the table at the table now you 're talking about Linda about a back injury, and i 've dealt with quite a few of those, and those could be uh really bad, no, especially if the uh if surgeon you 've been referred to a surgeon and they say you need surgery i don 't know what kind of surgery yet uh based on information you have i don 't know if you fractured the vertebrae or if there 's a tear, but you know suffice it to say that this is a very severe. Uh, injury. And of course, you can go to the injurycalculator.ca to figure out what the potential damages value uh, that you may be entitled to. Now, you're saying that you're going to have to use a lot of sick days from work. And this is interesting because I've had questions before whether or not using sick days is compensable, right? Because technically, you're not actually losing money. You're being paid for those sick days. Well, you know, there's cases that go both ways. But in my cases, I always take the position that if my client has to use sick days, banked sick days, that's something that they're losing because what happens if they have the flu or they have something else happens, God forbid, that they need those days. And we do have legal support for the proposition that those sick days are compensable. So if those sick days are worth $2,000, 5000 10000 we should be able to claim that right. in addition to your pain and suffering. But, you know, what's more concerning to me here, Linda, is that you're going to use these sick days, but you really don't know the extent of the injury, meaning you don't know how long it's going to take you to get better, And so in these cases, it's very, very important in my mind to start the claim as soon as possible. Do our due diligence very quickly, figure out who's at fault, start the claim, and then start getting the medical updates from you and your doctors. But because we have the ball rolling already, we have the process that's going, and we're not waiting the two years or however long some lawyers wait, it means that we can resolve your case that much faster because guess what? You may be in a position down the road where you can't work. Where's money going to come from? So moving these cases fast through the system or as fast as possible is absolutely a priority for us, especially with my team at at the office. I mean, I can't tell you, like I said, I've read to you some of these cases, some of these uh, 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 emails that I get from people who have been dealing with other lawyers. And not every lawyer is the same, not every law firm is the same, and not every case is the same. But the general consensus out there is that these cases take years and years and years and years to resolve And, you know, most of them should not take all that time. They shouldn't. It's just that the lawyers are not pushing the claims through. And I tell you, even as a defense lawyer, years and years ago, I would be frustrated on behalf of the insurance company when my client, the insurance company, would instruct me, contact lawyer X and tell him that we are prepared to sit down and try and settle the case. And I would contact or try to contact lawyer X who's representing that injured person or disabled person. And I wouldn't get a response back, not for my first letter, not to my uh, call, not to my second letter, not to my second call. A year, two years, three years would pass. And then at that point, we would resolve the case for the exact same money that my client was prepared to pay three years before. So, And you as an individual, especially if you're not getting any updates from your lawyer or your law firm, how do you know that that hasn't happened? Right. Right. If your lawyer is not calling you back or not updating you, then how do you know that they're communicating with the insurance company? I'm telling you, insurance companies, in the majority of instances, when these claims are legitimate, obviously, they want to settle. They won't settle for any price, but they want to settle. It's a myth that they want to fight these cases to the end. They don't. Fighting is expensive. War is expensive. Legal battles are like war. It's expensive. Insurance companies don't like that expense. They're willing to pay out but they need to have a partner on the other side.
0: 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Take some time. Check out the Injury Calculator at injurycalculator.ca and fight for my ltd.com right there. The Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, Name 640 416 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Anytime for email. I may uh, throw another email towards you. This one's uh, LTD, a slip and fall case. Hillary Aurelius says, uh, I went on long-term disability because of a herniated disc in my back almost a year ago, and I fell three months ago on black ice outside of Tim's. Uh, the ambulance took me to the hospital, and they say that I have a broken vertebrae, and I will likely need surgery. I don't know if I can claim anything for my pain and
1: suffering since I was already on disability. Can I? Yes. Wow, no kidding. Yes, of course you can. I mean, think about this for a second. If... Uh, Tim Hortons or whoever was responsible for that property that had black ice, if they didn't maintain the property properly, uh, the property properly, nice. And because of that, you now have a broken back. What does that have to do with the fact that you were in disability before? Lovely. It may impact whether or not you're entitled to future income because you're clearly not working. You were in disability. But the fact that you have this injury, and John, how about we go right now straight to the injury calculator? Why don't we look at what uh, a broken back, uh, a broken vertebrae, so you go to spine, right, you can select the injury, you can select the extent of the injury, how bad is it, and let's let, let's, see, let's see what, what uh, damages uh, the calculator puts out. Where was she? Uh, she was in Aurelia. Oh,
0: Aurelia. Slip and fall. Someone else's fault? Of course. Injury affect your income? Of course it did.
1: Well, keep in mind, she's on LTD here. so You can say no, even. I'll say no? Sure. All right.
0: Back. Here we go. We're almost done here. Disc bulge fracture. Oh, just the sound of that with the back sounds painful. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Chronic pain, of course she does. She's going to need surgery. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, here we go. And uh, the number, wow, fifty six to $140,000 for pain and suffering. That's how quick that was. Yeah, and, and I can I tell
1: that. you, and the, the, the 56 mm-hmm. number is probably an outlier. We probably had to include that because it was some case somewhere that gave somebody that amount. Yeah. It's probably going to be closer to the six-figure range just for the pain and suffering component. And remember, that's not taxable. It's pain and suffering, right? And in addition to that, Maybe there's going to be other expenses the person's going to have now, medical rehabilitation expenses. Maybe they're going to have certain adjustments to their home. That's going to be expensive. What if the person needs help several hours a day or several hours a week that before this accident they did not need? Yeah. So 100% that they're going to need that. And guess what? Here's what may happen, Hillary, uh, Unfortunately. Just like in many LTD claims, you may end up getting cut off LTD, and so you may have a situation where you have a potential claim against the LTD insurer, as well as for your slip and fall. It's extremely important, in my view, okay, to make sure that these kinds of claims are done either together or... uh, uh, step by step, like basically making sure that they're that it, they're being advanced in parallel because when it comes down to a negotiation for compensation, you no. want to make sure that all the insurance companies, even though one has to do with LTD and the other one with a slip and fall, you want to make sure that they're all going to be uh, addressed together. Yeah. And I actually have a case right now that uh, is going to mediation in March where we have, it's a car accident and we have the insurance company for the at fault driver. We have my client's insurance company there and she's also an LTD and so we've invited the LTD insurer to the mediation and they said yes because they understand that it makes sense for all the insurance companies yeah. to be at the table, at the same table to talk resolution. So it's very, very important and yes, Hillary, you're definitely entitled to pain and suffering damages if Tim Hortons or whoever was responsible for the area there is found to be at fault.
0: And like you said, getting everybody at the table at the same time, that saves so much hassle because you've talked about cases where you, know, you have almost thing all settled and all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, someone just came through the door. They're also part of this. Great, we got to go back and yeah, retread everything.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, let, let, let me give you, let me give you a, a practical scenario here. Let's say that you have three insurance companies rather than just one. And let's say that uh, at the end of the mediation or settlement discussions, you are $50,000 apart if it's just you and one insurance company, you are fifty thousand dollars apart. Right. If you are, it's you and three insurance companies. You're not fifty thousand dollars apart. You, you are essentially seventeen and change thousand dollars apart with each uh, of the insurance companies. Easier to swallow. You got it exactly, right. which is why most of these kinds of cases resolve uh, much quicker and faster, and probably for more money than just when you're negotiating one on one.
0: We'll take, uh, we'll take it from there for another week. Uh, you want to get in contact with Savan when the show is over, like now, very simple, 416-216-5910. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. you ever uh, use these tools, you can check them out. We just went through it once there. It takes about 30 seconds. That is the theinjurycalculator.ca. You want to find out for... Uh, all your injury cases for pain and suffering. Also, fightformyltd.com. If you're on disability and want more information, check out that uh, website as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.